Music. Reviews. Chat. Poems. Comedy. Writing. Interviews. ELFM. It's radio for so much more. Hello and welcome to Red Kite. We've got a fantastic stuff lined up for you this evening. I've got James with me in the studio. We've got some poetry, interviews with um, the creators of a history podcast. We've explored a community space for young people in Hare Hills. And we've got some of our young broadcasters telling us how they would run the world. We've also got an interview with a Leeds Grand Youth Theatre. And James is going to tell you more about one of our soonest interviews coming up very shortly for you. So, uh, first, after we've had this little talk and a song from the Arctic Monkeys, we're going to interview Owen, who uh, is Peter's son, who we have here at the chapel, and he loves Irish music, he plays the fiddle. And Izzy, what is that secret fact we got told by Mr Peter? Oh, yeah, we weren't supposed to say this, but we're going to say it anyway. Um, Owen got into a Royal Academy for Music in London, which only accepts four students a year. So that's a great achievement. That so. is. Well done, Owen. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later when we do talk to him. And then uh, later on the show, we also have Deborah and Matthew, uh, who are storytellers, uh, and we're going to listen to a bit of their podcast. And, yeah, they talk about Leeds history, which is which is good. I like that. So, Izzy, um, what have you been doing today, anyway? Whoa, I've been preparing for this. I've been, I've been really excited. And we've got the debate night tonight. So if you're listening, come on down for that. You... Next Generation Debate Night, it'll be brilliant. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be on the lights tonight, which is not usually like me. I'm usually the one up front doing the talking, but today I decided to do some tech for that tonight. But he's learning the tech. I am learning the tech. I'm learning the ways of the chapel. He can do it all. He can do it all, can James. Handyman I am. And uh, yeah, it's going to be good tonight. I'm looking forward to that, you know. Um, some interview up oh, with some very interesting debates. Uh, there's some of them. Oh that, yeah, definitely. Uh, yes. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. But it's been a busy day today. Like every day for me, you know, college and then straight here, literally, whew, straight here. Yeah, you do everything. You, you do a lot of and stuff, James. Let's be honest with you, is it? We weren't on time, were we? Oh no, we, we wasn't on time. So. We actually came in at five or three, and it is five or five now. So. Sorry for being yeah. late, but you had some local music. So. But before we were planning, we were also late to that mid. Oh yeah, we yeah. were, weren't we? What do you want to talk a little bit about? What we were doing back when I was at yours? What did I have to do? I don't even know what you lifted, but mm. my brother has this habit of ordering really expensive, like heavy things online. All I know is it had to be wheeled up the drive on a pallet, like on its own separate pallet. Cause it was so heavy. So when James arrived to be picked up to go to Chapel FM, Mum goes to him. James, how strong are you feeling? And uh, I, it's not the first time I've encountered something like this, is it, Izzy? I have, no. uh, before in the past, had to lift, lift a fridge fridges. down the drive. But this time I left this very heavy pallet. and 65 uh, kilograms, to be exact. And uh, after I lifted it, um, my legs were covered in water. Um, Why yes, was it wet? Because it was raining outside and it was oh, all it was, plastic, yeah. So my legs are now covered. I'm still kind of wet from it, I'm not going to lie. Mm. Yeah, not very nice, um, but I seem to be drying off now, which is good. And then uh, now we're here, and I'm looking forward to this show. It's so, 506, five and o- next is 505 by the Arctic Monkeys. I'm going back to 505. If it's a seven hour flight or a 45 minute. Drive in my imagination, you're waiting. 
And that was 505 by the Arctic Monkeys. And welcome back to the ELFM show. Well, um, we've got today, we've got Ellie, we've got Seren, and we've got Toby on tech and asking some questions as well. And I've got Abril here as well. And we're doing an interview now with Owen Spafford. Owen, are you there? I am, yeah. Hi. Hi. Wait, it'll work this time. The technology actually worked for once. Would you look at that? So before we go to the interview, we've got this one question that we do kind of sometimes to like get people feel comfortable. It's kind of a weird question, but do you like carrot cake? Uh, I've never tried carrot cake, to be honest. That is very uh, disappointing. you guys a fan of carrot cake? Yes. We love carrot cake. We've just devoured a whole plate of carrot cake. No, I I, I thoroughly dislike carrot cake, so I'm taking a different stance on this. (laughs) Well then, that's sorted then. (laughs) All right, Ellie, start off. Yeah, so we've obviously heard from you a little bit earlier before, just like as a background thing. So my first question for you is, how did you get into playing the fiddle? Because I have never, ever heard of anyone before who plays the fiddle, so I'm very interested um well i i saw a musician called andy who plays the fiddle playing at a folk festival that my parents took me to when i was really small and i saw him playing and thought it was the most beautiful amazing thing to to own from these four strings on on a kind of wooden box basically with a kind of long pointy bow i could create some someone could create lovely sounds from that and also sounds that make you want to dance which is currently kind of what's inherent about fiddle music is that it's dance music mainly, whatever tradition, whether it's Irish or Klezmer or Eastern European or American, it's mostly about dance. Uh, so that's what drew me to it. And from there, I started playing when I was five and joined different groups, bands, ensembles. And now it's uh, I spend most of my life playing, really. It's it's one of those things. It's a little bit niche, isn't it? Like sort of, oh yeah, I play the fiddle. You probably get like a few turned heads for that, don't you? More than like one of the typical instruments. Yeah, and you get also you get asked quite a lot what the difference is between a fiddle and a violin, um, uh, because I think people think there is a difference, but really it's just the same thing. It's just a different name for the same instrument. Um, whereas and fiddlers would normally play a different type of music, but it's the same instrument. So yeah, it's kind of. Uh, more unusual than the violin, I suppose. Um, so you mentioned about how you her, her first heard of a fiddle at a folk music festival. Do you have like any musical influences from that? Yeah, I grew up playing traditional music from, from England and Ireland, so folk music. Um, and that's kind of what my main uh, passion is, uh, playing jigs and reels and hornpipes, uh, as well as accompanying folk songs. So that's what I focus on most, yeah. Now, Owen, I'm given to understand something, and this is just a sidebar in our conversation. This isn't the focal point of our conversation. But I have to ask, have you been involved with the circus recently? <laughs> yeah, so I have. Someone um, handed me a piece of I, paper that informed me you were, you were a circus goer. Tell me about that. So, yeah, I was in the band with a circus called Gifford Circus, which tours down south, and... Um, it was a seven months tour, which is a pretty long time to be uh, doing the same show every day. Uh, but I really enjoyed it, and it was a really great experience. You lived in caravans on site, um, uh, even through through the lovely parts of the summer, but through the rainy and miserable parts of the autumn and spring as well. Uh, mostly on top of moors or hills in the middle of nowhere, which is exciting 
if you're into that sort of thing, which I am, but also kind of, um, kind of isolating in a way. So what exactly did you do in the circus then? So it was a touring show, uh, circus show, which had acrobats and uh, performers from all over the world. And uh, to, while they performed, there was a band on stage uh, behind them uh, outside of the circus ring, which played music to accompany it. So I was in the band there playing violin. Uh, it was an Irish themed show, so it was mainly Irish music. So while you had an acrobat troupe uh, jumping into the air and then and then landing on a sort of seesaw apparatus thing, would be playing jigs and reels, which sounds kind of surreal when you describe it, but it actually fitted remarkably well. Well, yeah, that sounds really cool, to be honest with you. Um, anyway, there's, you're coming to Chapel FM tomorrow and you're coming in to do this like talk upstairs in Studio 3 about, you know, um, Irish history and that, and I'm going to be attending that tomorrow. Um, and I just want to taste it for people who are listening to the show, maybe you actually want to come along. What are you going to do in when you're talking to us tomorrow in Studio 3 tomorrow? So tomorrow at 2pm, we'll have an event called Exploring the Musical Traditions of County Cork and Kerry. And we're launching a project uh, with that same name, which is about exploring uh, the different traditions, whether it be musical or uh, through song or through dance um, in relation to the to the two counties in the south of Ireland in the Kingdom of Munster, County Kerry and County Cork. And as part of that event, uh, we'll have dancing and some song and interviews about uh, how individual the music is of County Kerry and Cork. Um, we'll have a special guest, Aidan Connolly, all the way from Ireland, who's come specially for this gig, which is really exciting. He's one of my favourite fiddle players in the world. Um, so... I can't wait to hear him. That's 2 p.m. Uh, tomorrow. Yeah, that's cool. Um, on the subject of Irish history, um, I've been aware that of Irish History Month. So is there anything going on in Leeds or around the Yorkshire area that's on the subject of Irish History Month that's quite interesting to hear about? Yeah, so the whole of March is Irish History Month and it's organised by Irish Arts Foundation, which is an organisation I, I work for, which is uh, running the event tomorrow. And as part of Irish History Month, we've got different talks going on, uh, event, traditional Irish music afternoons, some sessions. Um, actually on Sunday, after the St. Patrick's Day Parade, which goes through the centre of Leeds, uh, we'll have a lot of Irish music, three different uh, gigs happening at the same time, which you can walk freely from uh, in Meanwood, uh, which used to be an area which had lots of Irish people living in it. Uh, so that's at Alfred's Terminus and the Junction uh, on Sunday at 2.30. Uh, but also, if you look on the Irish Arts Foundation website, you'll find a whole host of different events, including talks and, uh, and music events. So, obviously, uh, throughout your career, you've spent a lot of time involved with Irish culture, Irish history, Irish music. And I, I just wanted your perspective on this, which is there's obviously over the last hundred years or so, there's been a really tragic and complicated history in Ireland. And I wondered if you thought, in England especially, there's actually enough awareness or as much awareness of it as there are of different historical events. Do you think maybe we have a blind spot to, to some chunks of Irish history um, here in England. I think we do, yeah. Um, obviously, there are the Troubles uh, is quite in, in quite recent memory. Um, but I think a lot of 
the history, the colonial history, really, between England and Ireland isn't really taught. And um, part of the work I've been doing with Irish Arts Foundation is to interview members of the Lee's Irish community. Uh, and their stories I found to be mainly untold, really, in, in the general sphere of, of the public. Um, we've got lots of people like coming over and most of our transport links and like the M1 and most railways and a lot of our cities were built by Irish people um, who were unfortunately exploited and not paid as much as they should and um, were given poor quality housing. But there's this whole history of, they called them Navi workers, um, which weren't, which hasn't really been talked about, I don't think. Um, as well as the more recent history of the people we've interviewed who came over in the 50s and 60s and worked on the tram system in Leeds when there used to be a tram system. Um, and that immigrant experience we've been exploring through the Leeds Irish Music Programme, uh, which is on monthly. And we've got a special broadcast for International Women's Day this month, um, exploring the lives of Leeds Irish women. And, and do you feel that even now there are still, among like the British Irish community, do you think the ramifications of, of that history are still being felt in some contexts? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess, like with anything, things things move on and there's a different new emigrant population. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a still a sort of, you know, the generations pass down the knowledge and the stories and the songs about emigration. And we can't uh, help but acknowledge the effect and influence that the Irish community had on, on England and Britain. Um, you cover it, uh, quite a lot of this in your show, Leeds Irish Music Programme. Do you want to tell us about, about that a little bit? Yeah, so that's been running uh, monthly for almost two years uh, with a couple of breaks. And that has been interviews with Irish people, Leeds Irish people, uh, lots of musicians talking about um, kind of Irish society and the place that music has within that uh, and within Leeds. Owen Spafford, um, it's been a pleasure uh, to have you joining us on Red Kite. Really interesting discussion. Thanks very much. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. A great show. Thanks a lot.
with Mia. That song was chosen by Owis Bafford and I'm here with Toby behind the desk and Peter. Hello Lyra, hello Mia. So you're and you're here to talk about politics particularly about your uh, view of politics and you've written a uh, sort of some manifesto points uh, concerning the way that you would rule the country if you were in charge. So that's a fascinating proposition. Really interested to hear about that. But first of all, Lyra, yeah, you recently, you, you uh, apparently at school, you had to fill out a sort of like it was make some choices about uh, the idea, looking forward to the future, what jobs you might want to do. So could you just tell me what those were? Um. Well, the first one was like an interior designer because I love like designing and art. And um, the other one is about, like, making important decisions, maybe, like, behind TV, um, like, producing, or maybe, like, as an MP or um, a politician. So this is keys right into what you're about to tell us now. So you actually could see yourself as a politician in the future. Yeah. We'll come back to that in a minute. But Mia, what about you, uh, your jobs? Um, so I basically, I just put like illustrator for like the top two because I had to do three. And then for the three, I had I put historian. Because... Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what, what did you put down politician? No. <laughs> no, you didn't. But that's still somebody, history is very much concerned with, with politics in a way, yeah. isn't it? You know, you have to, Toby was asking some brilliant questions, I think, of Owen about Irish history and about Irish politics. So what is it about being an MP, Lyra, that really appeals to you? Um, well, I think just the fact that um, you're making important decisions that affect other people. So you know where you've been, where, like... You're at the lowest, but if you're at the top and you can make decisions, like um, I feel, it just feels important. Mm. So I can help people that were once me when I was little. So the idea of you know MPs are just ordinary citizens who then stand for election, they get elected, and then they obviously have some power eventually. Would you? How would you feel about being like in the cabinet or being a prime minister? Um, well, I don't think I'd go as far as being a prime minister because I just have like a lot to you know, like holding my shoulders. But um I I think I think just in general being important <laughs> makes like I don't know, a, a good job I guess. Yeah, so having having some responsibility really, because it's a lot of responsibility making those decisions about about big thing other people's lives, I guess. Uh yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So Mia, could we could we kind of entice you into thinking about standing for Parliament one day? Uh yeah. Yeah, okay, you'll be open to that when you're not doing your, not being a historian or <laughs> illustrating. So let's t- t- tell us about your manifesto points then. So, um, Mia, do you want to go first? Um, for like my first point, I put, um, I would make sure that all like the animals in the animal shelters would have like within the shelters like a secure place and like not too small cages and stuff and make sure that they all get good homes like and so they don't get like put back and put back in the shelters. So, animal. Safety and animal health and, yeah, yeah, security and so on. Yeah, great. Have you got any others? I've got... um, I'd, like, make sure that we give everyone from the Parliament, from Parliament and, like, the government, like, 
at risk or like elderly a care package every month so that they like don't have to like go to the shops if they can't or like can't come out the house for whatever reason so a care package what does that particularly things like, like food, medicines and food yeah if they can't get out do you think at the moment then that those those needs aren't being met i think so yeah because it's only like people in like little communities like who are coming together and like making packages out of their own pocket like to give to like the elderly people and do you think the taxpayers should pay for that i think like the government should pay for it because it's something that everyone needs yeah so presumably though the government would raise that money through through people uh, paying their taxes so if people had to pay more tax to the government um to to service those needs of the older people you think that's okay do you um Probably, like, not as much, like, not inflate it as much, but, like, maybe, like, if, like, everyone in the country, like, pays, like, maybe, like, 20p more, then, like, it would, like, add up to quite a lot, so... I think you're right, absolutely. And do you think, um, I mean, do you think that people who work in care, like, who deliver medicines and so on and come around and visit older people who are isolated, do you think they get paid enough? Probably not, no. You're shaking your head as well, Lyra, what do you think? Um, well, I just agree with what Mia's saying. You agree? Yeah. Yeah, that they don't get paid enough money. Yeah. Yeah, to, to considering the, the job that they do, very responsible job that they do. Excellent, thank you. What Have you got any more points there, Mia? I've got um, that... Um I think that um, they should abolish like the pay gap between men and women in like all jobs, but like because it's really unfair and it's just been national um, International Women's Day, and yeah. Absolutely. Well, yes. Do you think it's got? Would you say it's? I know you're only young, but would you say, from what you know and your history, do you know? Do you think it's got better at all over the last say thirty or forty years? Um. Probably since like 1940, like since like before like World War One and like World War Two, women didn't have like any vote, so it's obviously got better since then. But it's like still not good at all because there's still like a massive pay gap. It is shocking, isn't it? When suddenly you find out in certain jobs that there is a real differential between the men and women and how they're being paid. You yeah. think, oh, is that still going on? Great stuff. Any more points? Um. I think we should like make schools a happier place by having like counselors and people to help when you need it like not just like like there like if like they refer you to like cams say like and they put like the posters on the toilet roll but it's not really like enough so like people to have like in every school should have like at least like one room where you can go like when you're like tired or like not like good so like my school has one and it's like room 38 and you can go whenever like you need to but you think that a lot of schools don't have that facility? Yeah, because either they don't have the space or funding or, like, whatever, like, they need to, like, make it. Because those workers, obviously, those counsellors have to be paid. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, fantastic. and they have to be trained as well, I guess. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mia. OK, Lyra, we're coming to you. By the way, we're just if you're listening, you've just tuned in, Lyra and Mia, possibly future politicians, possibly future MPs, are giving us their... Uh, sort of manifesto, really, and what they would change and what they would do if they were in power. So, Lyra, your turn. Um, well, most, like, all of mine relate to what Mia has been saying. Um, my first point is that I would make sure that the government raises taxes not on everyone, just on those with more money, because not everyone can afford, like, the tax, the tax rate now, never mind if we increase it. So I'd raise, like, the rich people, like, their taxes... 
and I, I wouldn't make it go to waste. I make it go towards things like poverty and the homeless and helping people in Ukraine um, and, um, yeah, like, more things that, like, places and people that need our support. Um, I would also make sure that the elderly, which I would say probably most people over the age of 65 um, or any disabled people, would get, like, a free care package with the um, increased tax rates and for free, so they would get it for free um, every month or so, so it would have everything in it that they need. Um, I would also make sure that um, I would decrease the bullying rate, so make sure that all schools keep it clear that like anything, no matter how bad it should be, should be reported and like sorted out like professionally and make sure it doesn't happen again, because I know that sometimes it doesn't, like it doesn't get sorted out fully and it just carries on. Mm, it sounds like there's some real crossover. Yes, Mia. Can I add to what Lyra's just said about the bullying? So like in my school, I know of like one person who's like, like been bullied or like been bullying, but the teachers have like not reported it. So they've reported it to the teachers, but they've not really done anything because like some per- that person's like made excuses or like done something else to like, like make up for it even like, but you can't make up for like bullying someone. Right, so you'd really address that. Well, it sounds like that you're very, both very concerned about mental health in schools and about older people getting enough care and getting enough attention. Those are the main, and also animals, obviously important, and various public services need need paying more, I guess, by the government, need funding more. That's brilliant. Thank you ever so much, both of you. Can I just ask you one question each? Um, well, it's the same question for, for both of you, if you want to have a go. Um, if there's one quality that you think a politician should have more than any other quality, uh, sort of in terms of their character, what would it be? I think they should be understanding, so they could understand people's struggle and learn how to help in that way. Thank you. And Lyra? I agree with that. Like, I think that they shouldn't have always, like, yeah, they should be understanding of people that, like, are below them and stuff. So if they were, like, born up rich and had everything they want, then they don't understand the people that are in poverty or don't have as, have as like, much money as everyone else. So it, they should, like, have started where other people have started and worked their way up and, like, like you know, got voted there and work, worked hard instead of just buying their way into that position. So that's also an argument for uh, against privilege, I suppose, yeah. and automatic privilege and people going for a certain class going into government. Well, this could expand into other discussions. It's been fascinating talking to you both. And the best of luck in your political careers. I hope you're, um, you're running the country before too long. We need you. So um, you've got a song, uh, Lyra which you, and Mia, which you've chosen. Can you tell us and then we're going to put it on? Um, well, we chose Made Up Story by Andy. Um, we chose this because she has a beautiful voice and um, well, she's not a very big artist at the moment and we just really like her song. So you just want to like, you know, get more like views on it. I know we just met, you don't know that much about me. Made up in my head and your character, he likes me. Wouldn't call this love more like infatuation Cause you're going through your phases And I'm not good with changes But just for this moment Let me live in my head Before ten years go by and you forget I'm walking down the aisle You're standing 
made up story by andy and we're now back at elfm doing seren and ellie's poetry corner dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah, got a little dramatic effect we have to make that a jingle so yes. every time we're just gonna press the button just seren and ellie's poetry corner <laughs> got a little bit of dramatic effect in it anyway so we've got seren and <clears throat> no Ser- seren and ellie doing their poems i pointed out the wrong person um yeah i'm uh, ellie sarah ellie sarah ellie sarah and ellie do you want to start us off yeah so this is called the answers i don't have for the many 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 questions of humanity so i bury myself six feet in the ground each one for the questions that eat away at me like fire and pure alcohol burning electrifying yellow Questions, questions, questions. They dig a hole, wide and deep, spreading never-ending expanses. It's like searching for something, anything, without a map. Tear-stained parchment to guide me. I fall, six feet underground, into nothing but air. That was really good. And you've got a second one coming up now? Yes, uh, this is called Before the Sun, and I wrote this for BBC Share a Story that came into our school a couple of weeks ago. Before the sun rises, there are many skies, as though painted, drowned and sunk and dragged across galaxies of pale violet, the kind diluted so much by tears and pain and acid it burns, more than my heart does. For this, the poetry, the songs of words, dancing, twirling, diving across deep ocean and forest and land, whispers on wind, news of hope and loss and grief and love. It's like an explosion of colours, red and black and yellow and bright, deafening white, the sky. I watch as it changes every morning before the sun rises. 
Thanks for Toby for the special effects there. <laughs> and uh, I was not expecting that, by the way. Um, so those are really good poems. Um, and I just want to know, why did you write them? And what was the like memo for it? I write them, I wrote, them, I write poetry because I am collectively known as the poetry girl. Well, sorry, Sarah, we're like the poetry duo that just comes into the chapel and you always expect to have poems in the pocket. Anyway, I write poetry to express the emotions that I cannot put into words. Well, they are words, but not. It's yeah. abstract. It's almost like abstract art. I've always hated abstract art. Until I change your mind. Yes, but it's poetry, Sarah, and it's not abstract art. I love art, by the way. well okay that was really good love the poems and now it's time for Saren to share your two poems as well Um, so this is called Rise and Fall temperatures rise, lit falls and still we do nothing oceans rise, trees fall and still we do nothing pollution levels rise, tears fall and still we do nothing empty promises rise actions fall through and still we do nothing We need environment killers to fall. We need hope to rise. We need unity for rising and falling to equalize. We need equilibrium. We need action. We need hope. That was really good. Nice meaning. And what about your second poem coming up? Keep the special effects going. (laughs) You want more? I can give you more. Come on, Toby. this doesn't really have a name yet. I guess I'll choose it after I read it, because, you know. Fair enough. <laughs> Spontaneity. Yeah. <laughs> my story lies in my far past, in learning to talk, in learning to walk, in understanding simple things about the world, in learning how to read, in creating my first memories, in making my first connections with my oldest friends. My story lies in my recent past, in joining clubs, in getting leads in plays, in constantly gaining more knowledge about everything I can, in choosing my options, in finding new opportunities, in finding new talents to grow and develop. My story lies in my present, in weekly prayer rehearsals, in deciding on new projects, in laying the foundations for my future decisions, in studying harder, in traveling new places, in talking and having fun with my friends. My story lies in my near future, in music festivals and gigs coming up, in upcoming opportunities, in ways to get my voice heard by more people, in completing projects, in learning even more, in forming my views and opinions fully. My story is my past. My story is my present. My story is my future. My story is formed yet still being created. My story could be anything I choose. My story is mine to make. Well done, that was really good. Got a name for it. My my story lies. Well, that's for your fierce one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's poetry. We need to we need to have some kind of abstract <laughs> meaning for every single word in the poem. <laughs> that's how it works, Abril. <laughs> my story lies. Yes. Anyway, I'm gonna. That was really good. Love both the poems as well with Ellie's. And I'm gonna ask you the same question I asked Ellie. Why did you write these two poems? And what was your like memo and meaning uh. behind them? If I answer the way Ellie answered it, it's slightly different. I write poetry mainly because I want my voice to be heard. I want... It's a, my way of communicating, my way of telling the world that this isn't right, this needs to change, or that I'm here, this is my story. 
Well, that was really good. Love the poems. And that's the end, unfortunately, of Seren and Ellie's Poetry Corner. We've got a song coming up that you guys picked. What's the song called? Um, I'm not. Did you not pick them? Well, I picked a song, but I'm not too sure. The Stereophonics track, right? Yes, that's okay. it. Tell maybe me to- about the Stereophonics track. <laughs> this is Maybe Tomorrow by the Stereophonics. Right. Let's make a jingle for East Leeds FM. So, how are we making this ELFM jingle? Well, I think we just made one. No, I don't want to be trapped in the
Hello, and we are back, and now we have some new special guests with us. We got Deborah and Matthew. Hello, guys. Hello. So, how are you guys doing today, anyway? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. good. Thank so, you. So, I'm going to introduce you a little bit, and uh, you can elaborate from that because, yeah, that's why you're here. Yeah. So, we have uh, Deborah and Matthew, who are storytellers, and they make podcasts. So, I don't know much about it, so I'm here to find out from you guys what you do. So, Matthew, would you like to start? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I, I am a storyteller. I do a sort of oral storytelling, and I'm very interested in stories about place. So, I've done a lot of work over the last sort of ten years about Leeds, finding out about stories from from the city um, and from stories from different people who've lived here over the years. And I've been working with Deborah, who uh, has just just left theatre company, blah blah blah. But we did a project together, which we started in August of last year, to create an audio walk through Leeds city centre, um, which is called Stirring Up the Past. And what we wanted to do was show share um, some stories about um, about Leeds that maybe people were were less aware of so trying to find sort of narratives that were kind of um, you know people did know but maybe needed shouting about a little bit more um, so we created a trail that um, incorporates the, the stories of four different historical characters and a few extras as well uh, so we've got uh, Jagendra Sen who was a First World War soldier who was part of the Leeds Pals Battalion uh, Pablo Fank, who was uh, a Victorian circus owner, a man of colour who, born into a workhouse, became a national celebrity. And uh, would you want to talk about the other two, Deborahs? Oh. I will do, yes. Yeah. Um, so we have Leonora Cohen, who is a um, very well-known suffragette amongst her many forms of activism. And we have Michael Marks. Michael Marks being half of the business that is now known as Marks and Spencer. But what a lot of people don't know about him was that he was um, he was a sanctuary seeker who came to Leeds uh, fleeing the pogroms um, of Eastern Europe and started out as a peddler selling wares door to door, set up a penny bazaar in Leeds Market and then went into partnership with Tom Spencer. And hence was the birth of Marks and Spencer. Wow, I feel like I've had a history lesson. That's really <laughs> yeah. good, yeah. Um, but, like, what has inspired you guys? Have, has you, have you had, like, one person or a celebrity or, I don't know, a family member who's inspired you to really go into this? Has there been someone for each of you? Oh, gosh. Ooh, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say a person. I think... Um, Even if it's a collective of different people? Or is yeah, it... I mean, I, I grew up in North Yorkshire and I had very little exposure to the arts there, just really because of access. You yeah. know, transport was a big problem. You live in a village. There isn't really very much going on. So I went through a lot of my childhood without ever really experiencing anything other than pantomime or the circus. Um, yep. We've got a bit of a theme occurring here. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I guess as a teenager started to seek stuff out but travel go to places like Darlington and Newcastle to see sure. stuff um, and then I think a combination of curiosity and happy coincidences or accidents you know finding yourself in situations where you experience or encounter something and from that want to know more and uh, so I, I, that was sort of you know the early stages of thinking about a career in the arts um, and then going to university. But in terms of the more recent history of this, um, my background is in theatre making for children and young people uh, and directing and working as a drama practitioner. Um, but during the lockdown, I think like so many other people, switched on to the power of audio. You know, lots of people started to listen to podcasts. Would and... you say that COVID helped you yeah. with your stuff? Yeah, yeah. not in like a bad way, obviously, but like yeah. I think COVID changed a lot for a lot of people and it created so many different opportunities that I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, 
I think you had to think outside the box in order to find yeah. out how to reach people and how to make work in a different way. And I think that's been a, a, a real positive in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, actually, this is the second audio walk that I've made. So with the first one I did was right in the middle of COVID. And we did a, I did a piece about um, Leeds Zoological and Botanical Gardens, which only existed for 15 years at the beginning of the 19th century. Um, and it's it sort of was on a plot of land just by Burley Park train station in, in Headingley. And it was kind of like a private zoo and pleasure gardens and it kind of always had financial troubles so we worked with a couple of um you know other local storytellers and and also with residents who lived around the area to sort of uh, tell that story through newspaper clippings and give different perspectives on it and that was kind of a first attempt and then I think Deborah you knew we were doing that and then you contacted me when you you, when you started doing this this project back in sort of July August because this was going to be something else wasn't it yeah this was going to be a performance a live performance that was going to take place at the Leeds Discovery Centre which do you know that space are you of it. Not really. it it's know. the storage facility for all of the artifacts that aren't on permanent display at Leeds museums and galleries. So it's this warehouse that is home to literally millions of eclectic objects, an amazing space. Um, so we were going to do a performance there. Obviously, the pandemic meant that that wasn't possible. Um, so we needed to reimagine the project in a way that meant we could do it but still keep at the heart of it those stories and um, and engage children and young people hence beginning to think about could this be an audio walk and the answer to that was yes it could <laughs> and i think we've actually got one of your podcasts um or a little bit of it to share yep. with you now here we are at the junction of bond street and albion street it's always been a busy spot It's a rare day when there isn't a busker here, singing a song or playing a piece of music. But the buskers are by no means the only performers to have played here. Roll up, roll up, roll up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Opposite the White Horse Hotel, Boar Lane, just down there, and by permission of the worshipful mayor of Leeds, Pablo Fence, Circus Royale, will open the most neat and spacious, the best arranged and handsomest circus ever erected in this town for gymnastic and horse riding performances. (laughs) My name is Pablo Fank, owner of Pablo Fank's Circus Royale. In my younger days, I toured all over this fair land performing for rich and poor alike. I was what people nowadays would call a national celebrity. Quite a feat for a man of colour and one born into poverty, what's more. I was born in a Norwich workhouse in 1810. Circus was my way out of poverty as a child. Through hard work, and strong guidance from good adults, I earned myself a trade and career for life. People also asked me to teach them how to ride and share with them my expertise on horses. So that was extra income too. Of course, it's it's many years now since I performed on horseback or since I presented the work of others to the folk of this fine town. But Leeds... 
is a place that holds many memories for me. Back in 1838, Hoy performed here as a young man in a show that told the story of Queen Victoria's coronation ceremony that same year. The nation was thrilled to see a young princess being crowned a queen. And through the magic of the circus, we recreated the special occasion for the nation's enjoyment. Oh, the public loved our show, and we loved them. <laughs> oh, a very special memory, right here where you're standing. Also performing here in that same coronation special was another performer of colour, like me, but younger. <laughs> so they called him Young Pablo, on account of me already being familiar with the public. His real name was Billy Bannum. The Northern Star, though, <laughs> the newspaper here in Leeds, admired his skills so much, they called him an African gem. So rare to hear an African. So I just want to say I love uh, the way it's done with the music and his voice. I think it's very intriguing. And what I want to ask you guys is it's a bit of a quite a good question: is what makes your podcast stand out from all the others? And like, why why should we listen? Not in a rude way, but why mm-hmm. should we listen to yours and not anyone else's? The the only thing I'll add on to this: everyone and their mum has a podcast now, don't they? Sure. And they're all generally quite poor quality. Normally, it's just someone in their basement with a microphone. Yeah. Sell us this podcast. Well, for a start, it was made here in this room. Yes. So oh, I think that this is it? we we use your wonderful recording facilities oh, to do it. Wow. So it is obviously a very good quality. I think the sound mixing is great. We work with a brilliant uh, engineer, Nick Lewis, who did a beautiful job, sort of layering mm. up the sound with sort of music cues and sound effects and things like that. So it's quite a rich sort of audio tapestry. And then I think the other thing is the fact that you you can listen to it at home but you can also listen to it in situ so all the places where the stories are happening that are being described in the podcast you could go and stand in the middle of the Lee City Centre and look at them and see them and be in those places while you're listening um, which I think gives it a bit of an edge so it's a kind of interactive experience um, if, if you want it to be. And alongside it, there's a website, so you can see images on there that might show some of the locations, but in the past. Um, You can see photographs of some of the people that we feature on the walk. There's a whole variety of activities that you can do as well as listening to the walk that just really enhances the experience. So, I've got a question, and I'm sure the listener is... Listeners... Uh, buzzing to hear what is the name of this podcast because we haven't mentioned it we <laughs> talked about it and I've got no idea what it's called so it's called Stirring Up the Past Stirring Up the Past I, it's only for to ask that I'm sorry no no it's absolutely <laughs> fine it's it's absolutely fine question, it is the most important question so go yeah. check it out yeah so if you if you, if you you look up Stirring Up the Past uh, and Theatre Company blah 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 you should you should find it via Google and as I say as you can download the whole thing listen to it in the comfort of your own home or you can get it on your phone stick a pair of headphones in and go for a walk it starts at Mill Hill Chapel in uh, City Square and it takes you down um, down Bond Street all the way to Leeds Market and it ends by the replica of the Penny Bazaar which was the first uh, Marks and Spencer store so the podcast was designed to be listened to whilst you're walking yeah mm. 
Oh, right, okay. So you're walking them through it like a guided tour. It, it is. So it's 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 um, eight stops, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, so wow. each of them is located at a particular point on the route of the walk. There's a little map you can download as well Ooh. to make sure you're in the right place, although it's a pretty simple route. Um, and, yeah, so it's about opening up the city, really, and, and, and asking you to think about those, those buildings and that space in a different way and just thinking about the layers of history that there are, that you're part of as well as you walk through the streets. That is very unique. I, I give you that. Okay, yeah. I'll give you that. Good. Very <laughs> I do like that. That's very interesting. And um question I'm going to ask now is, have you enjoyed it? And could you tell me your best moment within the making? Ooh, that is a good question. Well, the short answer is yes. <laughs> definitely enjoyed it. Um, I mean, we, we worked, this is definitely worth us saying, that we worked with um, a wider creative team than just Matthew and I. We worked with actors, other writers. Um, so there was a real collaborative effort here. And I think for me, that was the joy of this, was just working with really brilliant people. Um, and, and we involved um, groups of children who tested and trialled the walk with us. So they're feedback and responses helped us to go back and just tweak and refine stuff and you know the first time that we did the walk even though it was absolutely tipping it down it was a brilliant day just to then see their responses that what they were hooking onto the questions that they had and how it made them see the city differently wow so um what made you do it why why did you want to make a podcast specifically about Leeds history and in the way that you did you know, for children and walking around, it's a very unique and specific way of doing it. I think it's um, it's it was really about capturing the diverse history and stories of Leeds. So, you know, the example that I gave of Marks and Spencers, everybody thinks of that as a quintessentially British brand, but they don't know that... You know, one half of that, or the founder of that, was a Belarusian Jewish man. Um, similarly with Pablo Fank. You know, he was a circus uh, owner. He was a proprietor. He was a famed equestrian. He was famous across the land. Um, uh, and, and appears in a song by the Beatles, we yes, should say. So, yes. yeah. so he's referenced in um, Being for the Benefit of Mr Kite, which is based on an old circus playbill I think that John Lennon saw in a shop and uh, it's it's Pablo Fank's circus that yeah. is put on this benefit for Mr Kite who was one of the performers. And his funeral so. was attended by over 10,000 people on the streets of Leeds. Wow. You know this was a man of colour, this was a man who was born into extreme poverty. These stories are not commonly told about Leeds. We really wanted to, as Matthew yeah. said, peel away the layers and just unearth these stories that are not commonly known and are amazing. Yeah, so that leads me on to my next question. What? How do you know which stories to include? Because surely there's so much history in Leeds. It's a very rich city. Yeah. How do you know yeah. what to include? How do you know not, what not to? Well, we did a load of research um, back in 2018. And we worked with uh, five schools. I'm just trying to remember if it was five or six, but we worked with five schools and we took a whole variety of material to them of things that we'd uncovered by working at the Leeds Discovery Centre and working with curators there. Um, And we took that material to children and said what interests you here? What would you like to hear more about? So children were very much a part of the process of deciding what we wanted to cover on the walk because that's who it was designed for. The um, question I want to ask is, what challenges did you face within the makings? Because surely there was some, and if not, that's fine, but was there any? Ooh, 
I think there was so much material actually even having gone it's these stories that you wanted to pull in because as you walk down the street there's so many things to notice and so many things to see that just lead you off in other directions so I think making sure that we weren't in a way, this, the, 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 hopefully the website gives you ways to follow up on the stories that you hear so you can find out more information. But I think it was just trying to go, what's the nugget of this story? What do people really need to know about in order to tell it in the most concise way? Because because it's a walk, you don't want to leave people standing on the street for half an hour. You know, you've got to keep people moving. So I think there was a kind of focusing task wasn't there a little mm. bit I think that might have been the biggest challenge was you know there was a, a wonderful story I found out about um, a, a female stonemason mm. um, who um, had worked on one of the buildings which is now Starbucks uh, at the corner of Albion Street and um, uh, and, and um, just as it becomes yeah and just as it becomes commercial street Bond Street becomes commercial street so that Starbucks there was, I think I was, was doing, yeah. yeah and there is a blue plaque to her on the building and she worked with her husband and when her husband died she carried on the business and was you know an independent businesswoman in the 19th century which is pretty amazing and was recognised as a master stonemason and there's pieces of work all around Yorkshire that you know bear her name and I just think that's an amazing story and there just wasn't space for it yeah. but yeah. No, but hey, I can tell you about her now. So, <laughs> <laughs> and there was one mini challenge. One of the actors we worked with was based in London, so we posted the recording equipment out to him. But because he lived in London, uh, there was a lot of ambient sound outside his flat, so he had to create a home studio by recording in a cupboard and padding out everything with duvets oh. and pillows and <laughs> just to kind of dampen the sound. So we do a recording. It's like, wow. no, we can still hear the tra- traffic outside. Have you got any more blankets? That's so dedication. that was an interesting oh, just... creative challenge, but we got there in the end. <laughs> wow. That is dedication. Yeah. It, yeah. And um, has this made you want to do more? Like, would you like to make more? And are you going to make more? Yes and so, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really exciting as a medium for telling yeah. stories and I think it offers loads of really rich potential. I think there's something really lovely and intimate about being in a space but also having this voice in your ear that's just talking to you about what's going on and pointing your attention to different places. Um, so it's something I really like doing and I hopefully people like doing the one that we've made. So I think we'd love to do another one. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just want to ask one more thing is... Um, where can we find this? I know you said before, but I'll let you plug it one more time, just in yeah. case anyone didn't catch it. But would you like to plug it one more time? Yeah. So the website is www.stirringupthepast.org and you can find that is a website for the walk. All of the resources that we've mentioned. You can also do a Google search. Yeah, so just put Stirring Up The Past and Data Company, blah, blah, blah. You'll find it pretty easily at the top of the search, I think, at this point. And um, yeah, and just to say, you, you can either listen at home, you can get it on your phone and just play it through headphones. There are also um, sort of resources you can borrow from the Leeds Library, which is one of the stops on Commercial Street. Um, so you can borrow an MP3 player, which is preloaded with the walk and a pair of headphones from there. So if you haven't got a, a working phone, you can still do it. Just just go and buzz, buzz, buzz the door of the Leeds Library on Commercial Street and, and say you'd like to borrow a set of headphones and you can. So and yeah. Everything that we've mentioned is free. There's, yeah. there's no cost attached to any of these. It's all free and yeah. freely available. 
just want to say it's been amazing having you guys in here. I've had a history lesson and I've learned a lot today. And oh, it, it sounds very. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give a listen and. Uh, Sounds very interesting. It's very unique what you've done here. And I'll pass to Izzy for one thing. Yeah. If you want to say something before Thank we go. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Matthew. It's been really interesting and great to have you on the show. Oh, so, yeah. Thank you. Before we finish off, we're going to listen to another segment of another show. And uh, if you guys want to listen, we'll cut it off at a part where it's going to be like a cliffhanger for you guys. So, okay. yeah, feel free to give it a listen. And, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Thank you. Here we are by Vicar Lane, just across the road from Kergate Market. People have been trading there from as far back as 1822. It's an amazing building that still sells goods from all around the world. But, of course, the market hasn't always been there. For many years, the land where it now stands was just an open field. The field was known as Vicar's Croft, and it belonged to the Vicar of Leeds. And there were many in the town who thought it was an eyesore. And I, for one, was moved to write about it at the time. That's the Reverend Edward Parsons, a local historian and a man of firm opinions. The Vicar's Croft, as the plot of ground was called, which is now occupied by the market, was a field immediately adjoining the vicarage on the west side, overgrown with weeds and the common receptacle of every abomination. How such a place was ever suffered to exist in the centre of a large town is indeed astonishing. Eventually, the land was bought by the Leeds Improvement Commission, who offered space to farmers to sell their pigs and cattle there on market days. There was also space for people selling other kinds of goods, fruits and vegetables, pies and cakes. Before this, people had simply set their stalls up on the town's main streets. Brigate, the Hedrow and Vicar Lane. The new market grew and grew over the years. And in 1857, the first covered market was opened on the site. It sold all sorts of different things. If you listen carefully, you might be able to hear the cries of some of the market traders echoing down the centuries and over Vicar Lane. Now then, ladies, don't forget your figs. Real scripture fruit. Long leather laces, penny a pair. Short ends, a penny a pair. Proctor's herbal tablets for a cough or a cold. <laughs> Boys a lot, lads. Boys a lot. Penny each. Find fresh oranges. Look at that juice. Makes your mouth water, don't it? We're going to go inside now for one final story. But before you cross the road, I suggest you take your headphones out. Bicker Lane is always filled with traffic and you'll need your wits about you as you cross. Take the crossing right in front of you and go into the market through the corner entrance. When you're inside, take your first left and then keep on walking until you reach Marks and Spencer's Penny Bazaar. I will meet you by the big green clock just to the side of the store.
Here we are beside the Penny Bazaar in Clergate This little trot is the ancestor of a famous high street store. His founder, Mr. Michael Marx, came to Britain from Belarus in Eastern Europe. He was forced to leave his hometown. was the song No Children by the Mountain Goats. And you might be wondering why we chose a song by a band called the Mountain Goats. Abro, have you, anything goat, goat-like been happening in the last few weeks for you? Well, um, we went to this, me and Saren and Johan, who's unfortunately not here, he's sunbathing in Barcelona. Yeah. Um, uh, we went to this place called Catch in Hare Hills, um, and it's like a cafe, and... Um, they've got a goat farm, which is why we are on the topic of goats, and they're so cute. And they've got sheep as well, but it's mostly goats, and I absolutely love it. And we're going to be taking you, we're going to be transporting you through the magic of radio, through our magic carpet radio to Hare Hills in just a moment. But uh, we went to catch um, as part of a project we're doing called Home From Home, which is all about like exploring the spaces that have been transformed into home-for-home home places through... And trying to figure out like what makes just an ordinary space suddenly become a home from home kind of place instead. And I don't know what the answer is, but we're going to find out over the next months and years. But Saren, had you so catch? Was there anything about it that kind of made it feel home from home like to you? I think 
kind of just the atmosphere of it. It was super relaxing and chilled, and every room you went into had a different atmosphere because there was like a quiet room, um, a board game room, a crafts room. Um, but also in, I think it was the pool room that I really loved, was like there was a giant photo wall filled of pictures taken from Catch. I just really liked that idea of it. It's totally, it's an idea that, yeah, I think we, we should try to bring here to Chapel FM too. But yeah, it was like, I don't know how it felt to you, Abra, mm. but wandering around to me, it was like a weird fun house with yeah. every room having a different energy. It felt very welcoming in a way, because as I said, like what Sarah's saying, every room had its like different like atmosphere and different vibe for it but each one had the same vibe of having it very welcoming because you'd have one where you should chill out one where you can like have fun you know do your board games your pool or like making your crafts or doing video games but it, just, it was just very like nice overall like a really nice vibe from it and it was all made out of shipping containers which once you're inside yeah. it you forget but it was actually like Apparently, it started really small. It was like just two or three shipping containers. But as it grows, they just keep adding on more. So we didn't see, but they have a recording studio and other spaces and these like expanded out shipping containers. Um, well, in a moment, we're going to take you to hear a little bit of audio. And then we're going to bring uh, Ellie, uh, Mia, and Lyra onto the program as well to react to the goat audio. Um, but a last thing, um, Hair Hills. Does anyone spend much time in Hair Hills or have any sense of Hair Hills as a part of Leeds? No? Yeah, it's an interesting area. I mean, it's it's not too far from Seacroft, but it feels a bit different, especially like the main streets of Hare Hills. It's very like, it reminds me of a bit of Chicago where I come from because it has lots of little shops and food from different co- countries all over the world. There's like Eastern European shops and South Asian shops and yeah, just a really interesting mix of things. Um, all right, well, let's go. We're going to hear, we're going to hear a little bit about the cafe and then we're going to take you into the world of the goats here on East Sense of M. Here we go. It's got a fake fireplace. It's like got really, it's got like a TV with like waterfall on it. It's very peaceful and calm. It's just a whole vibe, which I absolutely love. I I love it. There are a lot of plants about and it makes it kind of connect back to nature. And then there's like the waterfall noises. It's all very like tranquil and bringing you back to your roots almost. I like the cafe because there's loads of different activities there and I like the plants in there. So we've got two goats here and they're eating hay and they're so cute. They're both looking at us right now. Oh, they're so small and they're so fluffy and I really want to rub them but I don't think we can. My name's Costi. You can touch them if you want to. Oh. It's very cute. We've got now two goats joining us. I don't know their names. What are their names? So that one's the prince and this one is Yoda. Yoda. They've just joined in. They just joined in. Hi. Don't chew the wire. Oh yeah, don't chew the wire. Oh. And they're eating hay and there's one standing up right now. It's walking. So what's the name of the girl? So that's Hercules and that's the Oh man, they're massive. How long have you had some of these goats for? So these goats we really have had them from for a year, but well, these one we just got them like for um, nearly five weeks, <laughs> for, for like five weeks. We have, uh, you, you can see some uh, big and small ones. Uh, we have uh, the Mumu and the, this one, Casper. Uh, now, uh, we, they had to look like these ones, but they had different type. 
because we have uh, different types so as you can see we got some with big ears but small, the other ones are with the small <laughs> can anyone come in to like see the goats or like to be where we are now looking at them or do they have to be like trained or whatever you can just come if they uh, are familiar, if they are uh, not scared. We have been taking them and they're splitting them from other homes and uh, we took them here to catch. Yeah. Uh, so we know that um, we can get trained and if we get them we can learn new skills. We know how to look after them, we know how to feed them. And this way, this way we got a new home for them because uh, we know that they can learn us new skills. Thank you, Kosti. And those were the goats from Ketch and Hare Hills. So welcome on to Red Kite, or back onto Red Kite, I should say. We've got Mia and Lyra and Ellie also joining us, along with Saren and uh, Abril. And this is Tony. So we just heard a bit of the sounds of about the goats. Uh, the goats, thankfully to say, didn't nothing was eaten by the goats, as far as I know. Well... Almost. We had some. Um, we had one trying to eat the mic when we tried to like interview them. We had one trying to eat yes. Saren's scarf when we were trying to do another interview. But hopefully, nothing was eaten in the process. Excellent. <laughs> so, I wanted to start with this idea of home from home spaces, and hopefully, Chapel FM feels a bit home from homey. But we don't. One thing we don't have are any animals wandering around the chapel or outside the chapel. Outside, we do. So, I was just curious if. Just this idea of taking a, stealing an idea from Catch, if there were any animals invited, either permanently or just as guests, uh, what do you think might make Chapel feel even more of a home from homey space? Yeah. Um, well, I think maybe a few pigeons around, um, because I like pigeons, and I think they're just really cute animals, but also maybe like a dog or a cat. Just because, you know, like in schools, you, sometimes you have dogs for like support animals. Yeah. But like dogs can just like comfort you sometimes. And I think it just makes a place more homely. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you a secret. Sometimes we do have sort of secret staff bring their dogs to work days. And it actually totally changes the the vibe of the chapel. Yeah, Mia. I personally nominate my dog Nala. Okay. <laughs> just no one else's dog, just your dog. And what kind of, na- what's her name? Nala. Nala? Like Is from it? The Lion King. Oh, okay. I should know that. Yeah. And uh, what kind of dog? She's a Pomeranian. Okay. Oh, I love Pomeranian. And how do you think she would react to being at Chapel FM? She'd probably like, like all the open spaces because she'd like like to run like through the hall because she likes big halls and things, like and like big open spaces. Uh, yeah, and I think there's so many great places for a dog to kind of go hide out and take a nap yeah. and all that. Yeah, Ellie. I vote for my friend Nyma's cat. We have this thing where we <laughs> always want to bring their cat into school called Jessie. And me and Saren have decided we're going to bring the cat to school and literally take the cat out the bag. So we need Nyma's cat Jessie in. She's really cute. Like, I can't even describe it. You could go on a run all Yeah, I, I could, I could. All right, Avril. Okay, I think, okay, this is very... I think a llama would be cool. Like you know, yes, you know we want a llama. You know, like you know that bit where we have in Studio Three. You know when you have go down the stairs and you have the garden area. If we just make a farm for llamas, yeah. you mean out in the llamas? Yeah, out oh, back there. there. Yes, just yeah. make a farm for llamas. They they're so chill. Like yeah, farm. <laughs> it's like a little bit, like gate bit for like having one or two llamas, and they'd be so cute. Like maybe like taking it on a walk to the lo- local Tesco's. We'll get looks, but like just rub them. They're just so cute. <laughs> You could call it a farmer, a farmer llama. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, once I went away for my birthday to go to this llama cafe with one of my best mates, oh. I, and I, I think it was one of the best experiences I've ever had because you got to walk around and see the llamas and stuff. It was really nice. I almost, I almost got spat on by a llama. <laughs> it, it was not a good experience. I'm not. I, I, yeah, llamas and alpacas both are known for spitting. No, I, yes. I don't want a llama. I'm sorry, but I do not want a llama. <laughs> I can't with llamas. Well, our lovely radio studio, Studio One, has a window. It's dark outside now that looks right out onto the allotment. So we can imagine lots of llamas out there strolling around, grazing in the allotment right now. So, what is it you think about? Having animals around that, that makes a place just feel more home from home. I mean, this idea of home from home where you feel like you're at ease. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's because if you're used to having pets at home, yeah. then like it just makes you feel like you're at home because there's already a pet there. But as well, like not everyone has a llama. So, in the, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um, so you, it, it kind of be like an interesting experience to go see a llama or a pigeon or anything. Yeah. If you had like a, an, an animal like a llama, like not many people have seen llamas, so like like on what Lyra said, like it could be more of like an experience and it'd be like really like fun every time you go and you could like learn to how to manage a llama. It's also the fact that not everyone has pets because I don't have a pet, so I'd, I'd come here and see a llama. I mean, I've just, I should I'm out for the llama, <laughs> but still I'd, I'd see a llama if, a good two meter distance away, I would. Social distancing with a llama. <laughs> yes, yes. Follow government rules. Um, it would probably, as I said, like you were saying about having a pet at home. Maybe as well, if you're grieving a pet, maybe if you've like lost, mm. like maybe if you've like lost a pet, and even if it's not like, let's say you didn't have a pet llama, you had like a pet hamster, you'd still feel like a big difference. One tiny, one massive, but like you'd still have that feeling like I have this like animal that's like you know that. I have this connection to, and you might like have that feeling again if you get what I mean. Speaking of hamsters, how do you find the volume of a hamster? What? That was what? a question posed to us in physics today. Yeah, how generally how do you find the surface area of I mean a volume of a lot of not a lot of <laughs> llama? That's another question of a hamster. I'll ask my math teacher on. Um, yeah, we're on Monday because we're doing. But you better, we're doing volume. You better get us back to us on that one. Well, stay tuned for the answers of how do you find the volume of. <laughs> of a we have, I feel like the conversation could go on and on, but we have we move on to the final few segments of the show. But this has been great, and uh, yeah, I just had one of the thought as we were talking too about animals. Something that made me think of it is that when there's something when there's animals around, I think it just makes people kind of like stop being so busy and like caught up in like technology and other things and just like look at things and talk about things there's something about animals around it just makes you slow down a little bit too which is something i find fun about them or nice about having them around well we will come back to this uh, topic of home from home we're going to visit some more spaces in the next month or so as well so stay tuned for more reports from the field uh with who knows what else we'll discover as we travel around Leeds and Seacroft looking for home from home spaces. So we've got a song coming up. Anyone remember what our song is? It was it was like the lonely goat herd from the sound of music. Here it is. High on a hill was a lonely goat herd lay hood lay hood lay of the lonely goat herd lay hood lay hood Folks in a town that was quite remote herd lay hood lay hood lay Lusty and clear from the goat herd's throat herd lay hood lay hood low. 
Once on the bridge of a castle moat heard lay or lay or lay. On a road with a load to toad heard lay or lay or Men in the midst of a travel dote heard lay or lay or lay. Men drinking beer with a foam afloat heard lay or lay or In a pale pink coat, her lay or lay or lay. She yodeled back to the lonely goat, her lay or lay Soon her mama with a gleaming glow, her lay or lay or lay. What a duet for a girl and goat, her lay or lay or Hello, so uh, that was uh, a lovely little song from The Sound of Music about a goat herd. I'm Henry, I'm the broadcasting worker here, and I'm just going to set up this next little interview that I did with a group of young people from Leeds Grand Youth Theatre. They are working on a brand new musical called Imaginary, and I'm going to read the blurb now. Imaginary is an exciting, funny and inspiring musical about the wonder of childhood, the power of imagination and what it means to grow up. Milo is Sam's only friend and they spend all their time together, using only their imaginations to transform their world into a place of adventure and excitement. But as Sam's first day at his new school approaches, his mother worries that Milo, the imaginary friend, is holding her son back, stopping him from growing up. School turns out to be full of surprises and secrets. With a cast of adults and kids, imaginary centres on an enduring friendship and otherworldly twists and turns that change lives forever. So this new musical is coming from Leeds Grand Youth Theatre and you can book your tickets from the 12th of March and now you're going to hear a little interview that I did with some of those cast members of the production. Hope you enjoy. Imaginary and it like takes you on a journey about these two people called Sam and Milo and it's really magical and adventurous and it just gives you a really like nice feel of um like how important your imagination is and how much like growing up can affect that. I'm Joey and I play Liam. Uh, yeah, the music is really it's really uplifting at times and it's you've got a great mix of different songs so you'll have at one point you'll have people singing about adventures and where they want to go and what they want to do and it's so much fun and other times you'll have people talking about things from the past and it can really just pull you in and you actually live in the moment with everyone else and it's really fun i'm bella and i play milo so Milo is the imaginary friend of Sam and we really see his journey with coming to terms with being that imaginary friend and he also kind of grows up but still has a lot of that adventure and imagination by the end so we also see um, you know him 
uh, trying to make it back to Sam even after they've had an argument. So it kind of, you see like their friendship breaking, but also coming back together. I'm Menashe and I play Big Brenda. She's like, she's the product of like, just like anything, like the biggest parts of child's imagination. So she's just got all these elements of just fun and like what it's like to be young. And I feel like just her personality as well. She's, she's like controlling imaginary land essentially. And so she just brings it all with her and she's just just a really bright and vibrant character. Uh, I'm Mary and I play Beth. Uh, so I think Beth is, uh, so she's a single mother um, who works really hard to care for her um, daughter. And I think it's just about um, showing the connection between her and the daughter and showing that she's very maternal and she's very loving, but she doesn't necessarily have the means to be able to provide this amazing life for her. And I think I'm going to try and show that by um, showing my affection towards um, my child, um, but equally showing the hardships and struggles behind being a working mum. Uh, I'm Gabriel and I'm the assistant musical director which means that I'll be uh, helping out our uh, musical director, Pete. Um, so I'll be helping rehearse songs uh, during the rehearsal period um, and by playing the piano. And uh, then when we get to the actual show, I'll be playing keyboard too in the band. Uh, so, so yeah, it's a very exciting opportunity. I've done it before, so now I'm very looking forward to it. Uh, I've seen this process through uh, quite a, a few times um and i've you know I've, I've i've played the piano for quite a while as well so i um i've been i've been playing through the score and things uh and uh hopefully <laughs> hopefully it'll all be okay <laughs> so stars was I, I wrote stars during uh lockdown in uh in 2020 um because of uh the sort of class disparity that the lockdown highlighted um, and it was a really exciting opportunity because obviously we wanted to share something in 2021 when things were sort of opening back up again but we weren't able to do uh, a full-scale musical like we can this year um, and so it was a really brilliant opportunity to be able to see something that you've written be produced um, by the youth theatre because it's something, it's something different to see uh, what you've written on a page to see it really be brought to life and uh, that was it was really exciting I really enjoyed it. If other youth theatres wanted to support someone who's been around for a long time a veteran like yourself to step into a more organising writing directing role what's a good tool or method or way of approaching to give that young person the support they need? Um, I would say that you, I think you should just you should advise them to just sort of give it a go because obviously if you know there are so many skills that um, you can acquire by by just sort of jumping in the deep end I suppose mm -hmm. and I think that's a really exciting way to uh, get into something new and something that you're passionate about um, by just having a having a go. And then usually you find that it isn't actually as, as daunting as you thought it would be. When you were little, did you have an imaginary friend? And if so, uh, what, what sort of friend were they like? Um, when I was, I think, around four, maybe, I had an imaginary friend called Eddie and he was a bear cub. And <laughs> he came from the Amazon jungle and 
he actually swam to come and find me oh. so that we could get rid of the killer robots that came from Mars. And we spent a lot of time on this big mission to save the world. It sounds like a more cinematic Paddington. Paddington with extra steps. If you if you could go back, if you could have an imaginary friend now, what sort of imaginary friend do you wish you would have had? I think I'd wish for an imaginary friend that was a lot stronger and very brave. Um, because I just think, you know, it helps little kids a lot more if they have someone that's like a proper role model. And if it was like someone that I would have looked up to, I thought that would have been cool. But if they were still cool, that would have been fun. <laughs> I think it's um, every year, it's always very, um, it's very anticipated because everybody really enjoys it. And um, particularly in the first couple of months, it's very much, everyone's just very excited to be there and... Um, we're just excited to be together this time and not like on a screen so um, yeah the energy is always very high um, obviously there's there's times when stuff gets harder or we're all tired or struggling mm -hmm. and we always like dip a bit but I think we always like have breaks and we motivate each other and we're motivated by our directors and stuff like that and um, to always you know give our all so mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely very exciting because I know me and the girl who plays Sam, I, we ran at each other and hugged each other the moment we saw each other because we're so excited because this is our first time playing in such a big role and it's so new, but we're both really excited to be doing it together. So just a lot of excitement in that moment, the kind of energy that I love in new theatre. It kind of just feels like we're all just a family. I recently um, joined the youth theatre and on my first week, we did a game called the sock game, where we'd have we'd have this basket full of socks, and we had to make eye contact with someone, and we'd have to always throw the socks to them. Mm. And surprisingly, it's really, really hard. You wouldn't think it is, but it's really difficult. And it's actually really helpful for making friends, because you instantly just, like, you see that person, and you're like, I trust you to catch this and it just gets better from there. Nice one. I think another one for us as well was um, in the audition process, um, me and Manasha were given an opportunity to put, perform a duet um, together, like for the first time. And we've been here for like seven or eight years now. And um, that was a really like, it was really nice to be able to share something that we've worked on for ages and that we really enjoyed to the group. And that felt really special. Nice especially one. Yeah, especially because like Miri and I were such close friends and I feel that's it's it's because of youth theatre. Yeah. It's brought us together and like that's the first time we've ever done a duet together. And it was just a really just special moment having the opportunity to share it with everyone because we don't ever get to do it. And just because we're together and it's just it's just amazing. It's a very fun musical and you'll definitely have a great time. I think the atmosphere um, and the environment it creates is a bit different to lots of traditional musicals um and so i think it's a really it's a quite a family friendly one as well so it's good for like all members of the family i think and it's also nice because it's an all youth cast so it's a bit different to like something where adults are involved i think it sort of um unlocks like the sort of feeling of childhood i guess and i think i think lots of people our age and obviously adults lose that excitement I think um, I think this musical is full of that. 
So fascinating. Thanks ever so much, Leeds Grand Youth Theatre, talking to Henry. Ah, Henry Raby. So you listen to Red Kite. Not long to go now. We're coming up to the end of the programme, and I've got f- yeah five not imaginary, very real people. <laughs> yes. In well, Studio Seren, One. Seren is convinced I'm an imaginary friend. Well, but can you hear me? Yes. That's so a, that's a good well, sake because we are actually going to be talking about imaginary ah, friends. In fact, we can start with you, Ellie. Did you or have you still? <laughs> An imaginary friend. Well, not, I could say Taryn's an imaginary friend, but Thanks. no, but no, I won't. I don't have an imaginary friend. But in primary school, we had this whole I'm gonna call it a fraud, because it was. Let's just say it was like year two. And my friend, she decided to have an imaginary friend named Sarah, I believe, or something like that. And it started off as just, oh my god, look at my imaginary friend Sarah. Then it turned into like this whole world, like and then she started trying to convince everyone that Sarah was real and that she'd gone to boarding school. And then she started crying every break time because <laughs> Sarah had gone to boarding school and sending out invitations for this random party thing to meet Sarah. And then Sarah got married and then it was this whole fiasco. How, how, old was, how old was Sarah? I don't know. How old was she? That's Boarding school gets married in the boarding school. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> How about you, Abril? Okay, I had okay, I had a two. Well, I can't remember. I had you know Peach and Daisy from like Mario. Yeah. Like I had them. I imagined them as my imaginary friends. This was like when I lived in Spain. Okay, so I was like three, four, um, and I I would like I'd have full on detailed conversations with them. I'd be sitting like I'd just be walking like back home or whatever and I'd just be having whispering like these bare detail conversations like they're there right here tell, tell me you had a tea party with them no I don't, oh, think so. I don't think so I don't think so my, my memory is a bit vague from when I lived in Spain so, but I don't re- recall having a tea party with Peach and Daisy from Mario Kart <laughs> um, <laughs> but you and, did have two friends two imaginary friends yeah um, I, it was hard to keep them in tax <laughs> but I was like I don't know I was, I was thinking about it now well, not now, but like in here, I was thinking maybe because I was in Spain, I didn't really know the language. My first language is English, um, so I didn't fully, I didn't know fluent Spanish or Valenciano or whatever. So I was thinking maybe like I don't think so, but what if like the chances were that I had those friends to talk to in my own language, like language, so I can feel like comfortable and have some friends that I can actually talk to fluently? Because all the friends that I had in like my school in um, Valencia. They didn't know like hardly any English, and I didn't know any hardly Spanish. So probably I like picked them to like have a friend that I can talk to in my own language. If you get that me. sounds like a really good explanation of, of why you might have done that, and it seems absolutely yeah plausible. That yeah, great, good. Well, those two. What are they called? Peach and Daisy. Peach and Daisy. Peach. And Peach Daisy. and Daisy. <laughs> Peach. <laughs> Mia, what about you? I never really had any imaginary friends because I guess I just like I know <laughs> like I never really went through that phase because like I just like I always I always like kind of like thought like oh well I never even considered it like because I knew like some of my friends had them but they'd never talked to me about it mm. so I'd just be like well I know it's a thing but I thought it was just something that like would appear like someone would just appear next to me and be like that I am your, now your friend, but I don't exist <laughs> to anyone else. I am now your friend. <laughs> I am now your friend. And I'm like, why is this never happening? So like, <laughs> it might still happen. Maybe, <laughs> maybe still tonight. Coming maybe, still coming. Maybe tomorrow, on the weekend. Thank you very much, Mia. Lyra, what about you? 
Um, I personally never had an imaginary friend, but my little sister, Seren, um, she's, <laughs> she, um, yeah, she's had many imaginary friends. One of them, I think the most popular one was Bobby Goo. I'm not sure if you've seen Hotel Transylvania, but like oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the green, the green goo thing. Green blob. Yeah, that that is what he looks like, and wow. uh, he changes colour on depending on what he eats and how he's feeling. Um, but uh, yeah, she's an interesting child, and like if she does anything wrong, she blames it on Bobby Goo, and um, like yeah, it's really it's really odd. It's That's actually clever. called Bobby Goo. What? Is it actually called Bobby? Yeah. I feel like with oh, the wow. parents... I know. I feel like with the parents as well, like, I want to be, like, in that position where your, like, your child is talking about some someone who doesn't exist. He's like, oh, my God, he looks so pretty. But, like, there's nothing there. <laughs> trying to explain to your poor child that Bobby Goo isn't real. How, how would you even know? <laughs> Imagine that? if she's, like, listening to the show, like, right now. Like, she's like, what? <laughs> Sarah, what about you? Um, I was very, had a very good imagination friend called Isabel. I still remember that. I don't know how. So it's not me? No, I'm sorry. That, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was so com- so convinced, so wrapped up that I insisted my mum made a birthday card for her. Um, I don't even know if it was her birthday. It was just a random date and I clearly got bored. And I clearly had the customary tea parties to go along with it. <laughs> so, Isabel. And what happened to Isabel? She's not stood around then? No, well, she kind of morphed into Ellie. Who's real? Let's <laughs> yes. just make that really clear. You, Let's I make that real. clear. She's real. So, well, James, we've got to ask you. Hi. So, yeah, I'm on the t- I did not realise I would be getting involved in this, but um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever had an imaginary friend. Although, when I was younger, uh, probably, we're taught, this is probably one of the oldest memories I have. Um, I used to sit in like singing lessons in like Foundation 1 and 2. I don't know if you guys even had them in your school. And I would like think about Lego Star Wars, you know, the game. And I would, like, imagine I was in it, and then I would just zone out and pretend I was in, like, that scenario. And I was, what, like, four or five years old at that point, three years old. And I, and I would pretend they're my friends. I guess they were my friends back then. But well, a, lot of, a lot of clone clone soldiers. That's a lot of imaginary friends. <laughs> <laughs> a clone army. You weren't content with just Isabel or Boo. What's her name? Boo? Bobby Goo. Bobby Goo. <laughs> anyway, my sister had an imaginary friend called Pussness, which I think is a really lovely name for an imaginary friend. And I don't know what Pussness was, but I don't know what it was. Pussness. Pussness. She still talks about Pussness. Anyway, that's all we have time for on this lovely discussion about imaginary friends. We're going to have a we're going to have a song now which sets us up for a discussion about International Women's Day. It's called "Man Like a Feel Like a Woman" by Shania Twain. <laughs> Let's go, girls. Come on. I'm going out tonight. I'm feeling all right. Gonna let it all hang out. Wanna make some noise. Really raise my voice. Yeah, I wanna scream and shout.
Welcome back to Red Kite. Um, I'm Molly. I haven't been on the Red Kite show before, but I've been working here at Chapel as an assistant for the last few months. Um, and I'm very honoured to be here right now with some of Chapel FM's wonderful young women to talk a little bit about International Women's Day, which was on Tuesday, just gone, Tuesday the 8th of March, and it's something that they really wanted to talk about this evening. So I'm joined by Abril, Seren, Ellie, Mia and Lyra to chat a little bit about what International Women's Day means to them and some inspirational women in their lives. Over to you, April. So I feel like if we're talking about inspirational women here, um, maybe probably Emma Watson. In English, we did some, we did, um, we were doing something about like her speech and we were like doing notes or whatever about it. And it was kind of, she was going against the, like going to like the main people. I can't remember what they're called in USA, you know, the U. You, oh, I can't remember what it's called now, but we were talking about, and she was doing a speech in front of them, and she was talking about how, like, when she was, like, seven, literally, like, only seven, she was being told to, like, bossy because she was trying to take control, and because she was, like, a woman, she was telling me, stop being so bossy, stop being so controlling, but when a boy did it, it'd be like, yeah, you're right, or whatever. Like, she was talking about how she got kind of, like, sexualized at 14, um, you know, like, having, you know, those online like um photos and that kind of thing and she was also talking about which i 100 percent agree with that feminism and feminist the word itself has become such unpopular and so negative like because what it's been stereotype stereotypical now is that feminism means that women people believe that women are better than men it's not that at all we just want equality between women and men if you get what I mean, it's not such a thing that like, oh, women have to be better than men. It's just one equality. And to be honest, if you're not somewhat of a feminist, you're low-key kind of sexist, if you think about it. Because if feminism is about equality and you don't believe in feminism, then you're low-key sexist. So like... Yeah, very nice. Emma Watson <laughs> is a very great example. Um, and I can see why she's an inspirational woman to you. Now, over to Sarah. And what about you? Um, If we're thinking on the lines of inspirational women i think i'm i'm gonna pronounce her name wrong i always do um malala yusufa oh yeah 
Sorry. She <laughs> um she got shot in the head um for speaking her mu- mind and had a long long way of recovery. But now because of that, she speaks her mind and she oh, is standing up so many causes. Oh, she's so inspirational. Yeah, definitely incredible. So. I guess one of the big things here is about women speaking out for themselves and speaking up for themselves, um, which has been a really big thing in kind of the feminist practice um, of just making our voices heard, which I guess is what we're doing right now. So passing it over to another voice in the room. Ellie, what about you? Yeah, so I think everyone has a specific person, but I think for me, every single woman in the world has something different to offer. Mm. I think... It's all about how you yourself show your power because some people are really quiet, but they, I imagine, some people in their heads are screaming, we are women, we are important, kind of thing. And I think it's really nice that the message of equality is spreading to absolutely everyone in the whole entire world. And everyone listening on Red Kite, we are all feminists, whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's probably because they don't want to receive that backlash from it, to be honest. They're probably, like, scared to speak up because they're probably going to get that backlash of, you know, some idiots saying that, like, no, you shouldn't be saying that. But, like, yeah, they should actually be standing up, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. Mia? Um, The woman that I, like, think is really inspirational is Emmeline Pankhurst, one of the original, like, suffragette, like, women who, like, got women the vote back in, like, the 1900s. Yeah. And why, if you wanted to kind of, Lyra, you said Emmeline Pankhurst as well, so do you want to expand on why she's so inspirational? Oh, yeah, well, I was going to say Emmeline Pankhurst as well because she's the person that started the women's right movement. So um, without her, we probably wouldn't have the rights we have today. Um, and still there are like so many people being sexist like just on a daily basis Um, and I think that it was like really brave of her to like stand up even when she had like literally barely any rights and um, yeah I think she's really inspirational but I was also going to say Frida Kahlo because she showed that like even though she like couldn't move barely any of her body she like did painting and she did so many wonderful things and to the point where she's like all over my house and we named our cats after her wow yeah yeah really big Frida Kahlo fans then um yeah that's all fantastic I think the really big thing that seems to be coming through here is just people standing up and saying you know we're here we're women and that's what we're here to do tonight on Red Kite as well so I'm glad that you guys could join me for that conversation that was really lovely so thank you very very much for listening to Red Kite this is the end of this episode um but you can join us again I believe at the end of the month yes yeah Thank you. Um, Yes, you can join us again then. So thank you very, very much for listening. And we have a wonderful song by Beyonce to play us out this evening. Thank you.